Jeez, yeah, but not even remotely ready to do such a thing. Hilarious. Hilarious. Well, what a great time to say happy happy anniversary to the uh, the late show, the late show with David Letterman. Is this on? Is this thing on? Is this thing on? There we go. Hey, I've got my shirt on. Producer Mike has got his shirt on. It's a whole anniversary show. We are waiting on Tom Dreesen, who may or may not be here. <laughs> he was booked to, to appear. Uh, uh, he got his uh, email, uh, confirmation email. I sent him another one today, and then I haven't heard back. So <laughs> right about now is when he usually would show up. So we'll see. But it is the uh, anniversary of The Late Show with David Letterman, so we are going to be celebrating that. We're going to be talking quite a bit about cars because our date at the Marconi Auto Museum is coming up this weekend, this Saturday. There are a few tickets left. Please, there are a few tickets left. Please go get them. Go buy them while they're left here. Uh, oh, there's more than that. That's more. There, there we go. Shit. Sorry about that. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> By the way, if I didn't tell you already... My name's Jay Ryan. I know you don't care about that. But this is the Cars and Comedy Show, and I know you're going to care about that. We're doing it from the late night playset here. We've got you on Instagram joining us along. Let's see. Zach, Carol, Valente507, Sean Bishop. Sean Bishop, hello, hello. Uber Yo-Yo, John Deisty? Deisty? John Deisty. And most importantly, our producer up north, Canada Mike. What's happening, Canada Mike? Uh, life is good. I wouldn't say most importantly, but uh, the fact that uh, I'm a part of this at all is delightful. It's great to see you both. <laughs> Agreed. Take it away, Will. Uh, by the way, by the way, before Will takes it away, uh, you have about uh, two minutes, exactly two minutes, to go get a beverage or use the bathroom or do whatever you have to do while this extra long theme song plays. But if you want to just sit here and listen to it, it'll put you in a good mood. And we will be sitting at the desk when we return.
Oh, there it goes. Oh, geez. Well, the bubbles are on. Hey, everybody, welcome back. In the middle of all that, the front door buzzed, so I have a feeling our guest, Tom Dreesen, will be walking in any moment. Oh, there he is. Hey. There he is. Hi, Tom Dreesen. You have arrived. Take 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 your time if you need a restroom break or any. Oh, or just come in just like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know where to go. Make, make yourself at home. Chisholm is here. He is here. He is. Yes, indeed. sir. Oh, it's hilarious. All right. This is going to be good. We are going to have fun tonight. All right. Tuesday, August 30th, everybody. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, if you couldn't tell by my shirt, uh, uh, Mike's shirt, or simply the fact that Tom Dreesen's here, uh, it's the late show anniversary. Not quite 30. Next year's going to be a big one. But 29 years ago, I know that I was sitting on my living room rug like this looking at the probably 19 inch television at the time 25 whatever whatever the size was watching the uh the premiere what we put the card up in the beginning of the show but watching this happen right here on this stuff where we're sitting which is crazy pants crazy pants yeah mike crazy pants it's it's crazy pants it's delightful <laughs> and uh you're welcome cbs I mean, look at that. They got a franchise. 30, it's Mike Just Play Along Chisholm. Oh, you're the best. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> and, and as he said eloquently, you're welcome, CBS. Worldwide Pants uh, uh, killed it. Killed it for a number of years for you. Uh, happy anniversary to Dave and company, uh, as, as, uh, as we say, and uh, The Late Show. Now, it's not to be confused with the Letterman anniversaries of late night or how long he's been on TV or anything, but The Late Show itself, which was sort of the big hoopla, the one... The first time there was something up against The Tonight Show that was really going to make a mark. Um, this was the night. And man, do you remember how many viewers watched? I don't, but I remember it being a lot. Was it in the, is it the 20 to 30 million range or something? Yeah, like I was going to say like 30 million as well. It sounded crazy by today's standards, but back then I think it's right. Please come on in anytime you like. Welcome back, sir. It's good to see you again. It's yeah. great to see you. How'd you shoot? Uh, it's your home course, isn't I, it? The fr front line I played like uh, Ben Hogan and the back too. nine like Hulk Hogan. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody heard that. <laughs> He's laughing. They must have. Uh, welcome back. I'm so happy you're here. And, you know, it's the anniversary of the late show we were just talking about. And what anniversary is this? 29. It's the 29th anniversary of uh, Letterman moving to CBS and the CBS show. Oh, wow. Premiered 29 years ago tonight. So he was three years at NBC. How many? Well, he, he was 32 years on the air, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. So if, if this is a 20th anniversary at CBS, he was, then he was three years at NBC, right? I well, think it was more than that, but he's been off the air for a number of years, so we've got to oh, factor that in somewhere. Oh, yeah, he had been. It was like 11 and a half at NBC, yeah, I think. Really, yeah. Well, yeah, when I think about it, what am I talking This about? is all on your blue card for tonight. But first, 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 the first thing we have to do is play How's the Weather Out There. Do you know how to do that? No, go ahead. Tell me. Okay. How's the weather out there? I was going to say it was hotter now. <laughs> no, you tell me, Jay. It's Tom. Just play along, Dreesen. Yeah. Um, this is where we call Barbara Gaines on the phone. You remember Barbara Gaines? From the Letterman show, yeah. Of sure, course. Barbara, yeah. She now hosts her little uh, uh, YouTube show with Dave sometimes. Uh. And this is where we – they used to do a, a thing on the show that they would call How's the Weather Out There, where she would bring out the phone books, and they would riffle and point to a number and call somebody randomly. We do the exact same thing, except every single time we call Barbara Gaines. <laughs> and does she answer every single time? Uh, she, we leave a message. The voicemail picks up, and we leave a message. Let's see. So for today, we have a guest player. This is so exciting. Mike, are you here with us, Mike? So oh, let me get I, uh, this straight. Could not be ripped away. 
So let me get straight. For for uh, this has been going on for how long? Since they started the YouTube show. No, but I'm saying you've been calling Barbara Gaines for how long? Uh, since they started the YouTube show, a few months. A few months. So yeah. so. And we and we don't we don't do it all the time. Yeah. It's like we, so it's probably a third. Barbara or Gaines call. has been pissed off at you all this time. Right? <laughs> now you want to pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like fun. We can only hope. <laughs> All right, so we'll pretend we've here. I've riffled and and you've pointed. Please reach Barbara Gaines at the alleged Barbara Gaines show. Please leave a message. Barbara, it's Jay, Nicole, and Mike in the playset, but we have a guest player this evening, Mr. Tom Dreesen. First of all, happy anniversary! Happy anniversary to the Late Show. But uh, we really wanted to actually fact check a story tonight because I was told recently that Dave got his ass kicked for stealing material once. Is this true? And if so, who with? Well, <laughs> give us a call back, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> she, she probably doesn't know that. Something she's gone on YouTube and found it. You know, <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling that these get reviewed with the man, and um, uh, I have a feeling that that one might get passed because of what you told us last time you were here. He's mad at me that I didn't stick to it. He said, "No, stay with the story. Why did you have to put the capper to it? That, that it was all." I said, "It was all a joke." I said, "No, I don't want people to think that I beat the hell out of you." You know. Yeah, that it was true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Especially yeah. you knew some guys where it could have been true. Yeah. Now, for those who are just tuning in, you should probably explain what we're talking about. Oh, for goodness if, sake. If First of all, we're well, you weren't here earlier, but we announced to everybody that you were going to be here tonight. So oh. we're all excited to see you. Oh, so there's that. Tom Dreesen's here. But last time you were here, you told us a story about how you and David Letterman met. Mm-hmm. Is that what you... Well, and, and, and what, what you're talking about is we... <laughs> David called me, for those who didn't hear it the first time, I'll say it to you. David called me seven months ago. He said, Tom, every time you do an interview or I do an interview and people ask how we met, we always tell the same story. That He said, I drove out to the West Coast. It was my first day out there. I was in my red pickup truck. I went to the comedy store. I saw a set of yours. And when you came off stage, I complimented your set. And we became friends since then. I said, yeah. He said, well, it's a boring story. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if it's boring or not, but I said, it's true. He said, I don't care if it's boring. From now on, tell people, you came off stage at the comedy store. I was in the parking lot. I stole some material from you, and you beat the hell out of me in the parking lot. I said, now, why would I want to tell a story like that? He said, because it's a better story. I said, Dave, you got 32 million fans. They'll be chasing me through the airports and stuff. Anyhow, time goes by. A couple weeks go by. Dave calls me again. This time, on a serious note, he said, do you know the governor of Illinois? And I said, no, I met him, but I don't know him. And he said, well, he had something that he wanted to get done. His wife, Regina, had a, um, a, a friend or a girlfriend who has a grown son who has autism. And they live in, in, in the Illinois area, Chicagoland area. And the autistic adults there plant corn, beans, co- I mean, uh, corn, beans, tomatoes. And when it comes into fruition, they give it to the homeless. Well, the state is coming to take that property away. He said, I want to talk to the governor to try to stop that. I said, gee, I don't know him, but I know the Senate Majority Leader, John Cullerton. Let me call him. I called John, and John said, oh, Tom, that's all being taken care of. Tell Dave, don't worry about it, that statute this and something or else. I said, could I have Dave call you so you could explain it better than I, I would do it? He said, yeah, sure. I said, oh, by the way, uh, when Dave calls you and you tell him you're going to help him, tell him the reason you're helping him is because Dreesen beat the hell out of him in the parking lot <laughs> at the comedy store. He said, okay, I'll do it because he's a fun guy. Ten minutes go by, and my phone rings, and I knew it was Dave. <laughs> I said hello. He said, didn't I tell you that's a better story? I told you that's a better story, you know. <laughs> but the guy knew it was a put on too, right? 
Who Cullerton? Yeah. Oh, Cullerton knew it was he a put knew it was on. a put yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, but, God, but nonetheless, that's so great. You know, but 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 he kept a straight face when he told him. But yeah. I think this story is the best story of all of it. The fact that the story is that Dave wanted the better story out of it. I love it. Yeah, that he wanted me to continue to say that he beat down, and he yeah. would have admitted that. Yeah, Dreesen beat the hell out of me. I said, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'd draw two people after that. You know. Oh, no, oh, because he's so beloved. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't even put that together. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you can't be on the air as long as he was without. Who was it that said, Wayne Dyer once said, a, a motivation speaker, I who you know, Dr. he wrote Wayne many Dyer, books. Yeah. He said, 50% of all the people you meet in your life aren't going to like you. They're not going to actively campaign against you or anything, but they're just not going to like you. 50% of the people that meet you. If that's being so, Think of the millions of people that, that comedians have been in front of, or David, all those years. If, if 50% of those millions of people aren't going to like you, that's a lot of people yeah. that aren't going to like you. You know, So it might be that if they did believe I beat the hell out of them, I'd be drawing big crowds now. I'd be filling up arenas. You know? It's a thought. It is a thought. Uh, how have you been, first of all? It hasn't been that long since you've been back, but thanks for coming back. Oh, I'm glad to be back, you know, and, and I adore your wife. You know that. That's you why know. you came back. I know that. Everybody, everybody really does. I, 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 I've been on the road. I've been traveling, doing my one-man show. I just got back from Atlantic City. I performed in Atlantic City. So I've been really busy. And In fact, I'm only home now for about... I just got home last night, and I'm home now for about a week, and then I take off again. Yeah. I'm going to Chicago to do my one-man show there. I have At the that. John Belushi Theater, yeah. In, uh, in Glen Ellen, Illinois, Saturday, September 10th. Yeah. It's called The Man Who Made Sinatra Laugh. And it's stand-up comedy, but it's also a lot of storytelling with pictures and, and, and a video of Frank and I. It's a, it's really a fun show for me to do. You, know? you, you told the story last time of how uh, of how you, you and Frank met, um, but I want to poke around a little. I want to poke around a lot this time, if that's all right. Good. Yeah. I went down your IMDb and I forgot how many projects, of course, that I love that you're a part of. I just haven't seen these movies in years, and I forgot. Mm. Spaceballs. Yeah. Spaceballs. You, you, that's did legendary. I tell you, did what I tell you, you on Spaceballs? You'll remember. What, you, there was a scene. I'd love to tell you how I got the part. <laughs> that's what I want to know. Okay. How did it but, come to be? But the scene that I was in, I was a guard, and I was shaving. And I had shaving came out of my face. And the lead came in. I forgot his name, Bill or something. Else. He came in, he, and, and I said, like, whatever the other guard's name was, is that you, uh, you know, that you, Franco? And I turned around and I said, wait a minute, you're not Franco, and I'm yelling, guards, guards. And he, his ring, drew the can of shaving cream to his hand, and he sprayed it in my mouth as I'm yelling, guards, and I died. I, you know. now, I remember yeah, yeah. the scene. But what I didn't know was, and they didn't know, Mel Brooks, they had left this can of, it was whipped cream inside the can, for a long time, and it got kind of sour. So when he sprayed oh. it in my mouth, I hit the floor, but the scene is still rolling, you know. And I'm laying there going, <laughs> and Mel, when Mel went, cut, I ran to the bathroom. I got my head in the toilet. Mel come in there, and he's going, Dreesen, are you all right? I said, Mel, what the hell was in that can? He went like this. He went, ooh. It was like sour Rancid milk. Rancid milk, yeah. yeah and we oh. had to do that scene a couple times over. Now. <laughs> oh, with the same stuff? No, of not with the same oh, stuff. Oh, no. jeez. But when, how I got that I got that role, I had just gotten divorced. And uh, I was dating a, a girl, a friend of mine, try to make this long story longer, but a friend of mine <laughs> who played for the Chicago Bears, Tim Reitman, was a tight end for the Chicago Bears. He was dating, going out with a girl named Trish, and I saw him. I said, oh, Tim, she's beautiful, that your new girlfriend. He said, do you want to go out with her? I said, isn't she your girlfriend? No, I said, she's a friend of mine. You want to go out, Rob? I'll fix you up. So it was our first date, and she was gorgeous. She was drop-dead gorgeous. 
and a little bit taller than I am. So we go into, I'm performing at the improvisation in Santa Monica in those days, but Friedman had an improvisation there. So I, I took her to dinner first. So we go in this restaurant, and there, we have to wait for your table. We go around the bar area, and she stands up, but I sat down at the bar, and she's standing up, and Mel Brooks was in the restaurant I didn't know, and he saw her. Whoa. He walked all the way around the bar, and he's walking around, and he walks, and I'm sitting there, and, and I knew Mel. He said, Dreesen, how you doing? I said, oh, hey, Mel, how you doing? I said, this is a girl I'm going out with now. Her name is Trish. He said, hey, Dreesen, what are you doing Monday? I said, what do you want me to do Monday? <laughs> Good answer. He, he, he said, well, I got a movie. I said, I'll do it. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I didn't even tell you about it. I said, I don't care. I'll be a grip. You know, I'll sweep the floor <laughs> to be around Mel Brooks. Are you kidding me? I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, there's a small part with a couple lines. I said, great, I'll do it, you know. And I, and I did, and it turned into a two-day shoot. Got $4,000 a day. That was $8,000. And I, that movie, I don't know how much I've made through the years. Now I'm getting checks for 83 cents. Sure, you know? sure. But, uh, and... October something, 21st, they're having the movie Spaceballs being shown at the um, in Hollywood. What's the theater? The Hollywood to Forever Cemetery. It was that or the Cinerama Dome or something. No, I saw it's some... called it such with an M. I think. Oh darn! But Any... I, I, it's not I Quentin this, Theater, is it? Say it again. It's not Quentin Theater, is it? No. It, oh, if you oh, said New the, Art, a New Art Theater. No, I don't remember this one. I think I know what Tom's talking about. I saw the press release too. And anyhow, so I'm I'm going to MC. They're, they're going to show the movie cool. Spaceballs, and I'm going to MC and do Q and A and all that kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it's. It, is but, it an anniversary? Is that why they're yeah, putting it up? Yeah, it's some kind of an anniversary of it, but it should be fun. You know? Well, we you know we are of a generation that saw that movie before Star Wars. I mean, we were alive for Star Wars, but uh, we found the comedy in it. So we saw Spaceballs before Star Wars. So when we finally saw Star Wars, we were like. Who knew? Who knew? I thought this was just a hilarious comedy on its own. To me, that speaks to the material that it was so good on its own that we didn't even realize it was referencing something else. I gotta believe you. I gotta be honest with you. I never thought it was that good a film. I, I, maybe because I wasn't a Star Wars buff, but but I, I thought a lot of you know Son of Frankenstein, all these other things that Mel Brooks did. Yeah, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, the big oh, one. Oh, jeez. Uh, but but it, it was an okay movie. But it's got a huge following. To this day, I get people send me stuff. A, a, a billboard of Spaceballs, would you sign it and all that stuff? You know, what do you, why do you think that is? Do you think it was the Star Wars connection? Or John Candy, of course, was in it, and he was pretty magical. I yeah. mean, it, folks like you were in it. All, all of the supporting was cast was great. Bl- if you blink your eye, you wouldn't see me in it. You know, so it wasn't a big But there's deal. a million others just like you that had, this, had the same kind of impact in that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's the Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. put-on thing. But but because uh, that was as, as hot as you know, <laughs> It doesn't get bigger. Yeah. By the way, it hasn't gone away. It's yeah. still here today. You, you know, I, I, I like the, the opening. You know, first of all, as a woman, you know that men can't handle directions. Men, men, men are the worst at you know handling directions. But they, I remember the opening was to go boldly where no man has ever gone. They were lost. You know, that's, that's, oh, Star, that's Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's even better. Yeah. Oh, so, oh I, that isn't the same thing. What am I thinking? But they're all they, to yeah. me. It is all the same thing because I didn't get any of them. So it, when you, you said when you said reading that. directions, I thought instructions because the whole the crawl of the first thing I can't get dun, 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 and the and the thing you know you got to read the whole story and I go but I don't care already. You're going to make me read. Oh, geez. Um, I'm going to bounce around here. I'm not sure. going to go in order. Man on the Moon. I completely forgot, and I love that movie. Mm. Um, I completely forgot until I looked up and saw who you were, and then I remembered the scene. Um, to anything about that? How how did you get that job? What was it like working for I, uh, was I Milos played, Forman? Wasn't it? I, yeah, Milos. I played myself in that movie. Well, but Milos Forman came to the improv one night, and I was on stage performing. When I came out, Bud Friedman said, "Milos Forman wants to talk to you," and I, 
I thought, I thought it was a comedian doing an impression of Milos Foreman. <laughs> I said, oh, this ought to be fun, you know. But it was Milos Foreman. He said, I've got a small part, but I want you to play yourself. He knew I knew Andy, you know. And he said, and he told me that they're making the film and that I would just be on stage being me and, and Andy would follow me, you know. And, and I said, yeah, because I knew Andy and I liked Andy and he was, he was just a confused, brilliant, um, lost child, as so many are in stand-up comedy, you know. Uh, we, we talked about this before. 85% of all stand-up comedians, in my humble opinion, that I've met are insecure, neurotic, sometimes psychotic, loved, starved, wrecks. Complete wrecks. And the other 15% are gifted, confident people who say, I know how to write a joke and I know how to tell one. Mm. And I like to think that I'm in the latter, but never trust somebody that tells you they're sane, you know. So, <laughs> right, yeah. But <laughs> Andy. Prove to you I'm not crazy. <laughs> years ago, years ago, Elaine Boozer called me and she said, Tom, a friend of mine is coming out to California. By the way, first time I heard about him, Carl Reiner was casting me in, in a little small film that he had uh, with his son Rob and, and uh, Penny Marshall before Penny was on, on Happy Day. I mean, um, Laverne and Shirley. Well, it was both. Yeah. It was a yeah. spinoff. But anyhow, but, but, uh, and Rob was already on the first year of All in the Family or something. So he gave me a small role in there, Carl Reiner. But he said to me, Tom, have you ever heard of this guy, Andy Kaufman? At that time, I did not. He said, gee, I saw him in New York. And Carl started telling me what he did, you know, his act. And I said, wow, sounds strange. Now, meanwhile, <laughs> later on, Elaine Boozer calls me and said, Tom, my friend Andy Kaufman is coming to L.A. Would you befriend him? Because he's a very shy guy, and he doesn't know many people. And I said, sure, and I did. I, I went to him, and I, you know, I'm so extroverted, you know, I, I forced myself on him. But, but I, I... Oh, yeah, you yeah. told that story. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, so... Go ahead. So, but I... But I, I uh, I, I, I just, uh, you know, liked Andy a lot. Anyhow, it, but he was, he was so odd. He never thought of himself as a comedian. He always called himself a song and dance man. And, and he had these characters, you know, Tony Clifton. That's and if you, if you, and he, once he was that character, you could not call him Andy. And I didn't know those things. You know, I, I one night came off of, um, I was went over the improv. I was going to do a set. I was getting ready to do the Tonight Show or something, and, and Andy was out in front with a tuxedo on playing Tony Clifton, like the Matrix. Come on in here. All right, everybody, step to the side here. Step to the side. Hold on. We got one of the comedians. Come, one of my friends from Chicago. Come in in here. And I, it's, but I didn't know at that time you don't call Andy Andy, right? And I'm going, what the hell is he doing? He's got this tuxedo on in, in, in a toupee. He goes on stage, and he's emceeing, but he's also doing Tony Clifton. You know, so he did a bunch of crazy but stuff. with the full makeup and the, the whole oh, yeah. thing, right? Okay. So now I go on stage, and instead of me saying, me not knowing that, I said, hey, how about Andy Kaufman? Wasn't he great or something? Now, after I do my set, Bud Friedman comes up, and he said, damn it, Tommy. Damn it. He said, Andy went home. I said, what? He said, he went home because you called him Andy. I said, what am I supposed to call him? Bud Friedman is his name. Andy Kaufman. He said, but when he's Tony Clifton, you know, he doesn't want to be called. I said, well, you, you got to give me the rules. Now, you know, that's one story. As time goes by, I get, to, I get to like him a lot. One night, I go into the, if you remember his act, we didn't talk about this before, did we? No, but I'm a fan as well. Tony, when he played Tony Clifton, he, all he ever wanted was to get a reaction from the audience. There's an old saying in show business that the worst thing that could ever happen to an actor or a performer is the audience feels nothing. He felt, mm. whether they love me or hate me, I moved that's them. good. 
And so his character, Tony Clifton, he would do this character, a lounge act, and I don't really need this job here. And he's doing all that. And people would say, well, geez, he's kind of rude. Then he'd say, and that was with the broads last night. I got three or four broads and, 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 and these chicks. And, and pretty soon, a girl in the audience who was his shill, she'd say, excuse me. I don't like what, you, what you're saying. You say, lady, please, I'm trying to do my show. Sit down. Will you? And she'd say, no, I don't like the way you're talking about women. And pretty soon other women in the audience say, you know, I don't like the way he's talking about women either. So he's going, oh, look at this. I got a heckler. I got a heckler. You're going to heckle me? All the years I worked in Vegas in the lounges. And he's this character. Yeah. He said, watch this. He said, oh, just, hey, lady, why don't you go home and, and uh, iron shirts or something like that, huh? He said, how about that? I told her. Now, the people, woo. And now she's saying, no, you're very rude about women. He said, watch, watch this. Hey, uh, why don't you go home and, uh, and have a baby or something like that? Now they're going, woo. Now, now, now the people are hating him. She comes up on stage, and for some reason he had like a can of shaving cream for some bit he was doing. So she said, I'm, and I said, oh, look, look, she wants to fight me. You believe that she's going to fight me, huh, lady? Come on, lady, you want to fight, huh? You know, so he's acting like, and people are going, oh, my God, I hope. And, you know, he goes, come on. And he gives her a stage slap, pow, like, and it sounds like he cracks her. So people go, oh. Now, she then knocks him down, beats the hell out of him, stomps him, punches him in the face. She gets that can of shaving cream. She puts it all in his face. She bangs his head on the floor. Now the audience is cheering, you know, all that. Now, that was part of the bit, right? Now, I come in improv one night and i'm looking for bud and, and tony clifton is on and i'm trying to talk to bud next to us while i'm talking to bud is a guy who's a real tony clifton he's got a couple women with him and the guy's going hey i don't believe it i don't believe it look at this guy he's looking he's picking on dames you know boy what a punk this is he said i, I when i come in here normally they have good shows good eyes good shows in there this guy's a jerk so i say to the guy sir this is an act he said it's an act well, it's a bad act, I'll tell you that. But now, me and Bud look at each other. We grin. Now the guy says, look at this. He's, look at this. He's going to pick on a... I'll tell you one thing. He lays one hand on her. I'm breaking every bone in his body. Now I say to the guy, hey, sir. You know, just then, Andy slaps her. Stage slap. She hits the floor. This guy leaps oh. up. This guy jumps up, and he's going toward the stage now to beat the hell Andy. Me and Bud get up, and I try to hold the guy back. I try to grab And we all fall on the floor. All through. Boom, I'm holding. We all... And, and by the way, I skin my elbow and my knee in, on that concrete floor. And boom, now. Now, meanwhile, we're holding on to the guy because he's going to... And, and now, now when she starts beating up Andy, the guy's saying, look at this. She's beating the shit out of him. God bless you, baby. Kill him. Kill him. You know, all that stuff. Anyhow, all of that being said, the next day, Andy Kaufman comes in. And I say to Andy Kaufman, uh, Andy, uh, you should have been here last night. Tony almost got the shit beat out of him. He said, what are you talking about? And I told him the story. I'm telling you, he almost was orgasmic. He said, really? Oh, he was, best he, news ever. Yeah, because that's what he was about, getting that kind of reaction. You know? Just some kind of extreme. Didn't yeah. matter what the poll. He was, he was a beautiful, wonderful guy. You, you know, in New York, you know the story? In New York, he was at um, uh, uh, Carnegie Hall. And he's doing his act, you know, and, and doing his act and everything. And now he's, he had a band there and, every, and, and he was doing um, Gene Autry's song. I'm back in the saddle again. He's oh, doing yeah. this corny stuff, right? Now he's doing it. I'm back in the saddle again. Out where a friend is a friend. He goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop the band. There's a lady here. Lady, I sing a song, not you. You know, and I, was, and I said, how old are you? You're 86 and you think you're a singer? Well, would you like to sing at Carnegie Hall? I go, oh. So, all right. Since you want to sing, he brings this old lady up on stage, and he got that evil look in his eye. 
and he looks at the band, and he goes, come on, lady, sing. He goes, I'm back in the saddle. Now, she's trying to sing, but he's picking up the tempo. I'm back in the saddle again. She's going, oh, where a friend is a friend. Where the longhorn gallagher ah. She's going, and she, what, and what, I'm back in the saddle. And she, boom, she falls over on the stage. People, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She had a heart attack. She had a heart attack. Now, she had a heart attack. now all of a sudden, but we get some pet. And the paramedics come from backstage. They're on stage, and he got this thing that, like, they're hitting her in the chest. Her legs are kicking yeah, up in yeah, the air. Of course. The, the curtain comes down, and people are, oh, my God. My God. Moments later, the curtain comes up, and her and Andy are dancing Dance, around the stage. Put on. All a put on. However, so the New York Times gave him a review <laughs> the next day called The Son of Sam of Comedy. Oh. If, if you remember, The Son of Sam was the guy, Long the murderer. David long, Berkowitz. David, yeah. They, they called him Andy. But he, he was a he, serial killer. Serial killer. They called him The Son of Sam of Comedy. But the but he loved that kind of stuff. Oh, God. So all of that's a long story about so, Andy. But you, so he considers all of those put-ons and happenings, uh, that's his art. He wasn't a stand-up comedian. He would he would orchestrate those moments for people to then yeah. feel one way or the other. And he got it. laughs, though. I mean, once you became a fan of his, then all those characters, you wanted to see those characters. Mm. You know, the guy who the, the, played the, the congas. The congas yeah. you know. Once you saw, you saw the genius of him, you know, he was a sweet guy. He was on a show called Fridays, and the whole bit was that he's a Jewish kid who's in love with a Catholic girl on the show. So there was a lot of confrontation. And I said to him one night, I said, Andy, you know what you should do? You should have a wedding like Tiny Tim years ago got married on the Johnny Carson show. 1969, I remember that, yeah. of course. And huge, millions of people Miss Vicky. Miss Vicky, yeah. So I said, you should marry the Catholic girl on the air. Oh, oh. Wedding, but talk about polarizing. Now, yeah, now you have your, her, your Jewish family come, you know, actors, and have her Catholic family come. And they're, they're both against this whole marriage, but at the, they're trying to behave themselves. But then at, when they get to the part, if there be anyone here who see why this marriage should not take place, please step forward and have her mother start sobbing. I wish she would not, I wish she would do it. And I said, you as the groom, you walk over and you give her a slap. You slap her mother. Pow! Well, when you do that, somebody comes out and, and, and you know, grabs you. And then a, a whole Donnybrook, everybody's fighting. The Jews Melee. and the Catholics are fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I said, a Donnybrook. And he said to me, what's a Donnybrook? I said, a Donnybrook is like when you see baseball teams, both benches. Oh, well, I didn't know either. Okay. It's an Irish term. <laughs> We're learning. When, when both benches, you know, come out and fight each other. Yeah. That's a Donnybrook. I said, you should do it. He said to me, like comedians say, he said, are you going to use that? I said, no, I'm not going to. That isn't my act. But I, and, and he, I, he was going to do it, and somehow the show turned it down. But, you know, oh, anyhow, that's a long story about Andy Kaufman. No, I love it. I love it. And But so, but you weren't, because you're, you're, uh, you're, you're not listed as Tom Drusen. You're listed as wise, wise guy comic or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> but what. basically, Milos saw you, said, that's the guy from my movie, and then you went and did your material yeah. in the movie. But I'm going to tell you something else about that show. Jim Carrey was backstage. It was one of the most moving things I've ever seen in my life. Jim Carrey was talking to me. He said, Tom, I want to do this film because of, you know, Andy and blah, blah, blah. Out of respect for Andy. I said, yeah. And we, we were getting made up. And I went out and I did my scene. And then I walked off. And now Jim Carrey's coming out as Andy. And when he walked out on that stage, the hair on the back of my neck, the chill, he was Andy Kaufman. Bud Friedman, who f discovered Andy Kaufman and loved Andy Kaufman, you know, after the scene, when they went, when, when, when Jimmy came out, I swear to God, it was like Andy was reborn. He was Andy Kaufman. When it was over, I had chills all over me. I went up to Bud, and Bud was choked up his tears, and he went like this. 
he didn't want me to talk. I said, oh, I said to save something, but it 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 was the greatest portrayal of Andy that that you could possibly do. Jim Carrey became Andy Kaufman. He was incredible. Um, did you see the documentary, the Netflix uh, J- Jim and Andy? I think they call it, where the, it's the behind the scenes of that no, uh, I movie. Didn't it's remarkable for all the reasons you're saying. They cover the fact that somehow. Andy Kaufman came back to do that movie through Jim Carrey. If you've ever, you're not the only one who feels that way. I got to tell you, if you've ever, in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy now, and my years in the service and all that stuff, I, I know a lot of people who died. I've seen a lot of deaths in my life. You know, that, it, that the thought that you said, "Gee, I wish I could see them again." You know what I mean? A friend or, but gee, I wish I could see them again. When Andy walked out, I saw him again. It, it was, it was. Even when I'm telling you right now, I'm moved by telling you this story because yeah. it was Jim Carrey was so incredible. You know, it was a, a sight to see. You saw your friend again. Your soul knows. Yeah, this. It, you, it was, you know it, if you connected. Yeah, it wow. was really interesting. Yeah. Oh, good for you! Wow, wow. Can I throw out a couple Andy Kaufman factoids? Yeah, please jump in here, buddy. Just with the last couple uh, days, uh, Gerard Mulligan told me a story about Andy Kaufman, and remember how he used to wrestle women. Uh, well, one night, one of the women that he wrestled was Meryl Marco. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So there's one. And the other one, uh, Steve Young and I were talking about some of the different bits uh, and performance art pieces that were out there. And the idea of, uh, he read once, and they did a little bit of a play on it on Late Show, uh, where Andy sang 99 bottles of beer on the wall. With the entire audience and 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 there's this uh there's this journey that the audience goes on to realize at about 92 93 bottles that andy's going to do the whole thing and then they start turning on him but then by the time you get into the 30s and it, it's going down the audience starts to pick up momentum going oh this is going to be really really cool. <laughs> they're joining the insanity <laughs> yeah and by the time you get to one everybody is just in hysterics and having a uh, a lovely time so those are two andy kaufman mm. stories that popped up in the last couple of days i love uh, it through Must our be world too. in the air yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> bouncing around because that's what i said we do these are the shows of my youth you did an episode of columbo I yeah. need to go back and watch because I used to love that show. I watched it with yeah, my dad yeah. on Sunday afternoons. Love Columbo. I played a uh, talk show host that was interviewing a lady uh, author, you know. Um, and I remember. There was a guy at, at Universal, John Epstein, who was a real big fan of mine. He, he, um, he cast me in Murder, She Wrote Twice, you know, and then Columbo. And just was a big, big fan of mine. And a uh, nice guy, real nice guy. He passed away a long time ago as well. Well, the talk show host, I could see, no problem. But what on earth were you doing in Cabot Cove, Maine with Angela Lansbury on Murder, She Wrote? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, one, one time I was, I, I did two different ones. One, uh, I, I, I was a cab driver that took her to the airport. Okay. And I said to the director, I, he, I said, could I wear my Cub hat, my Chicago Cubs hat? He said, Tom, you're taking her to Santa Anita. I said, I know, but I'm, I'm a Chicago guy who moved out to California. The, you know, I'm a cab driver. That's why you're a but cab I, driver. And I, cab, he said, yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing, when you work with brilliant actors or actresses, I mean, you, you, yeah, you know right away you're in, you know, you're in really tall cotton here. Angela Lansbury, you know, I, before I even met her, she had read the scene we're going to do. And she said to me, I'm driving her to the airport and I'm a chatty 
cab driver. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And she, she said, Tom, once we get out of the cab, I'm trying to get away from you. But you're holding me from getting away from you, not by physically, but with your words. You won't let me get away. I said, boy, did you cast the right guy for this one. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, that's what I was, I was talking about. Hot tips. And, and, and she, she, even though we had a director, she directed that scene. No I mean, kidding. She, she called it. She knew exactly what that scene required. And when you work with pros like that, you know, if you bring up trouble with the curve, it was the same thing with Clint Eastwood. When you work with a pro, you know, yes, you you really know it. You know, both of those people. I mean, gosh, Angela Lansbury. I remember when she was young and really quite beautiful. How about in the Manchurian Candidate with Frank Sinatra? She was she's a brilliant actress. Oh, with your friend, actress. of course. Yeah, but Sorry. she was a brilliant actress. Again, to have a, in my lifetime to. Have been have the opportunity to do a scene with somebody that I admire so much. You know, uh, that's you know, and, and I'm I'm a stand-up comedian first, last, and always. But you know, acting is kind of intriguing. If I've always wanted to stretch out a little bit more, and my 90-minute show, I do. I I've always I think I told you this last time. I've always thought a good comedian could make you laugh for an hour and a half, but a great comedian can make you laugh and cry in that hour and a half. Mm. And I told you that story before. I've only seen two comedians do that in my lifetime, Red Skelton and Richard Pryor. Mm. And, and I do, in my one-man show, I do that. I have them laughing, 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 but I take them to Frank's funeral, mm. and there's some real touching moments in it. But I close with a funny monologue and, and bring them out of that. Of know? course, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but that must be an interesting ride for them to go on, for the audience to go on with you. For, 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 I would m- think. For me... I appreciate that. The, the reviews say that all the time. But for me, to for a comedian, all your show business career, you're looking for them laughs, 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 and you get you build and you build, and now you got them caught up in your rhythm, and you bring and you take them home right here, and you walk off all the you know. And now when you do this one man show, you take them to a place where tears. You know, you've had them laughing, laughing, laughing. Now you take them to tears. And to turn that around and get them back laughing again, that's a real challenge, you know. 90 <clears> minutes, <throat> you said? 90 show? minutes. Yeah, show. man, that must be great. And then the musical, uh, there's musical elements as well? No. Or is it just you talking? It's just me, you know. And, and uh, I, I've done that show two hours some nights. Some nights you get a real huge crowd that that's, is really into it. And... So the reaction is longer, you know. Oh, my yeah. goodness, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you're going into more detail. The show becomes longer because yeah. they're loving yeah. it. Yeah, but also, also, because when, 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 you, when I'm on stage, you know, and, and you're going, sometimes you're caught up in a stream of conscious, something comes out of my subconscious mind that takes me to another place, you know. Um, right. And, you know, uh, my acting teacher in Chicago used to say, you know, don't be afraid to risk. Don't be afraid to risk in a scene sometimes, you know. Uh, and it's easier to risk when you're out there alone than if you and I are doing a scene. I can't risk and throw you off, of, of our, you know. But but if you got a real good actor or actress with you, you can, you know. Mm. Go out there on a limb. <clears throat> yeah. The great unknown. Do you, I mean, you're a stand-up comedian. You're always prepared with years' worth of material. But do you ever just feel like an audience is... Ready for you to just wing it, or do, how do you try out new material? I mean, what is your process? If, Not if, to switch gears, but well, if you're going to try out new material, you know, you know, you, you go out with solid material, and then in the middle, that's when you break in your new material. You know, I got them warmed up. Yeah, and then you take them home. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know. Woody Allen used to say, "Don't," you know, and I tell young comics this all the time: "Don't break in new material on a Monday night in front of fourteen people." 
You know, breaking your new material Saturday night in the middle of the show when you got a hot audience. Now you know whether that's good material or not. You might point. get you might get you know hardly any laughs at all in front of a little tiny audience and cast that material away. Give that material a chance. If you think it's funny and you wrote it to be funny, then put it in when you got a hot audience and you'll get a better test to it. You know. Mm. Man, that's experience, or did you know that from intuition? You had to figure it out over the years. Well, you, you, through the years, I mean, you know, you, you know, we're a thousand mistakes. There are, you know, yes, thank I'm, God. I'm, I'm going to tell you a quote, and you'll probably know who I'm t- saying right away. This guy said, "I've missed over nine thousand shots. I lost three hundred games. I was called on to score the winning shot twenty six times, and I and I didn't." He said. You know, and that's why I'm a success. Michael, Michael Jordan. Wow. That's why I mean, he said, because he said, because I failed my way to success. And that's what we do as stand-up comedians. We failed our way to success. If you got the Coyones to hang in there, you know, what would be the female version? Of <laughs> 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a good word. But, you know, that that's, it, sometimes they'll tell me, will you go see a new comedian and give me your critique on my niece or my nephew or and and i'll go watch it's a monday night in front of like 18 people and the, and the people in the audience are comedians trying to get on so they're not going to laugh much i'll watch them and, and they'll they'll go into the tank they'll bomb and they'll come and say to me what'd you think of her or what'd you think of him i said i'll come back next week see if she's here if i come back next week and she's on again I said, she's going to be okay wow because that's what it's about never be afraid to fail and get back on the horse. I mean, that's yeah. a great, that's a great, great lesson. Mm. Mm. You were here last time. You were so inspiring. So I'm glad we're working a little bit of that in again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you realize that or not. I mean, you know, you talk about being just about last, but you really are very inspiring in the way that you talk and the way you tell your stories. And I never really wanted to be, and you're going to think this is bullshit, but I never really wanted to be a star. I never thought about being a star. I wanted to influence people yeah. with my material or in my life, to influence people, it, to, to influence people to the good, you know, it, yeah. to help people along their struggle, to motivate people to try to be all they can be. That pleases me. A lot. And com- in comedy, you can do that as well, you know. But that's what, as it's you know. It's tougher. Been, <laughs> it's tougher to yeah. do it through comedy. But I, you're I sort give, of backdooring it in. I, go, I give motivation talks, as I told you last time, on four subjects, perception, visualization, self-talk, and develop a sense of humor. And I elaborate on those points, each point. For comedians, I give a special one called The Joy of Stand-Up Comedy and How to Get There. You know, cause it, and, and so it, it's motivating them through the tough times of stand-up comedy and to enjoy this journey. You're in the greatest profession on the planet. Mm. Enjoy it. But most do not enjoy it. They grind and they grieve and they moan and they groan and they cry and complain. And, and I started out with Mike and he's further and Tommy's doing this and, you know, not enjoying this wonderful journey we're You're on. missing yeah. the point, yeah. 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 Ah. Did you always have that, though? Because I know, you know, you, I know where you came from and I know what your family was like. And I, Did you always have that in you or did that develop over time and did you harden with that softness it, 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 <laughs> over time? It, it developed over time, but you know what? I, but I always had it, but I didn't realize it. I, I always enjoyed um, uh, helping other people. I just enjoyed Because I had eight brothers and sisters. We lived yeah. in a shack. You know the story. You already knew it felt good to help it, other people. It, it felt good when other people helped us. When we were poor living in that shack and people would... You know, try to try to help. How good and it, how good it made me feel when I could repay that somehow. Yes. Uh, you know. 
That's interesting. Oh, gosh. I love when you're here because I really learn a lot about being a person. Uh, Rat Pack movie. That must have been fun for you just because of the personal connection. Yeah. And, and also, they also wanted me to be a consultant. Frank, Sammy, and Dean used to do routines, you know. And, and I helped them. Joe Mantegna, who's a good buddy of mine, played Dean Martin. Don Cheadle, who played Sammy Davis Jr. And Ray Liotta, who played Frank Sinatra. Ray, came in, Ray hung out with me for like four weeks. He would come off and on. We'd go to dinner together. He'd come over to the condo and just talk to me. He was going to play Frank Sinatra. And he was asking me all kinds of questions about Frank, you know. And I told him, I said, Ray, I've, he's a great actor. I said, Ray, I've seen you act. You could play the anger and the rage of Frank Sinatra, but could you be as, as vulnerable as Frank Sinatra was? He said, I said, Frank Sinatra was vulnerable in a song. When he sang a song, you felt everything about the heartache of that. I said, he, he's a very sensitive man. He, that other was a, a front sometimes, it'd be like a tough guy. But down deep, he was a very sensitive soul. So that was, that was fun. And then, but I, I talked, well, him. how did he respond to that, though? I mean, he, he listened. That as, did he take it as a note of, oh, yeah. I should work on that? I think so. I, I got, uh, you know, for me, it would be so hard for somebody to really play Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was, was an anomaly. Yeah. It, it, it was arguably the greatest career show business has ever known. Forget about these, the greatest pop singer of all time. You know, and that's not even subjective, even though people think it is. But this, this guy, Steve Lawrence, who's a brilliant singer once said to Frank Sinatra, you know, you ruined it for all the rest of us. Because mm. mm. once they heard you sing a song, they knew how the song is supposed to be sung. Charlton Heston said to watch Frank Sinatra sing a song is like watching a four-minute movie. But forget about all that. Forget about that. What about he won the Academy Award as an actor? Yeah. What about the fact he danced with Gene Kelly in, yeah. in film? You know, all these things. The, the talent know, was immense. The, 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 it was incredible. And he transcended as Michael Jordan transcended basketball you know Frank Sinatra transcended our business you know he he was larger than life you know then everybody wanted to know was he in the mob you know <laughs> he was he was just for, for, so for somebody to play him wow there were a lot of different colors to Frank Sinatra too when you got to know him but I always figured they chose Ray Liotta because they, we were prepped to accept him for that mob sort of persona you know, because he had just done Goodfellas. This was only a few years after that, from I recall. It it could be, yeah, it could be. I, oh. I and then I was a consultant on it, and then I got the movie opens with me on, and then I even helped him with a scene when I walked off the stage. I never did this, and never with Frank. Whenever <clears throat> working with Frank, whenever I finished my show in, in Vegas, Tahoe, Reno, Atlantic City, not in the arenas, but when I left the stage, <clears throat> Frank crisscrossed me. When I said, good night, everybody, you've been a great audience. And as I was exiting stage right, Frank was entering. So we crisscrossed. Mm -hmm. And then Frank would get the center stage and call me back for another bow. Tommy come back and take another bow. And I'd take a half bow and wave at him. But in the movie, they didn't want to do that. So I said, I got an idea. As we're crisscrossing, as I leave, I'll kneel down and, and like, kiss the ring. And Ray Ray and the director said, yeah, that's a good idea. So then, you know, and and I said, Frank would go like this. He'd get out of here. He'd react. And so that's what Ray did in the the scene. Oh, that's great. A great workaround, but you wouldn't know to do that if you didn't know from personal experience. No question about it. Oh, so cool. (laughs) This one's a little departure. Baywatch Nights. Now that was like a one season thing. I remember they were a detective agency or whatever. Is that is that what I'm? Is that right? No, in Baywatch, it was it was a guy, a Viking, was frozen for thousands of years, frozen or something like that, or hundreds of years, thousands or whatever. Whatever. And and they had him in the shipyard, and he became for some reason they brought him out of this. They had some scientists, and he got 
he he came too with a big sword and everything. Now he's walking the dock, you know. Wow. And me and Johnny Dark, a good buddy of mine, a comedian buddy of mine, we played two dock hands, you know. Well, you, so you're both in that. Oh, because yeah, yeah. I follow him too. Johnny Dark sings. Yeah. yeah oh man. Yeah. All right. Johnny and I. We, That's we hilarious. Together, yeah. I got to find a clip of this because I just it sounds yeah. hilarious. To it me. was. In fact, I I, I actually um, I'm, I was proud of that scene because when he came at me with a knife, you really felt that I was scared. You know, and and I, I felt like I really got deep into that, that role, you know. But it was no big deal. You know, but, That's you know. hilarious. Um, <clears throat> all right, your buddy Dave, just because of the uh, uh, the uh, anniversary today, and because of our buddy Mike over here uh, doing the Letterman podcast, killing it with the Letterman podcast. By the way, the guests from the from the show have been amazing. Um, you have known Dave so long. I'd love to go back to a couple different points and see what your memories were at the time. Back to the comedy uh, store strike in the uh, was it, I guess it would have been the seventies. Mm, seventy nine, I think it was seventy eight or seventy nine. Yeah. H- how did that whole thing? Uh, were you part of the resolution? Were you there for that? How did that all work out? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I didn't I tell you this story last time. If not, I'll, it bears repeating. Yeah. But I was one of the first ones to launch of, of our class. You know, uh, David, Jay Leno, David Letterman, me. Um, Robin Williams Gallagher I got mm. the Tonight Show and you know after struggling for a while, I was the first one to do the Tonight Show and my boom the next day my whole life changed you know I, I told you this before but uh, I w- had a wife and three kids and I could hardly make rent money and I lived in Van Nuys and it was my rent was $225 a month and I, I could hardly make rent money my first appearance on the Tonight Show I got bumped three times I got on the fourth <sighs> time you know right and that night was a hot crowd I had got eight applause when I finished my last line. I went back through the curtain. Johnny called me back out for another bow, mm. and I never have stopped working from that day. I did 61 appearances on the Tonight Show, but now I'm I'm on my way. I'm doing Dinosaur, Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Johnny Carson, Midnight Special, Rock Concert, Soul Train, American Bandstand. I'm the only white comedian ever to do Soul Train, mm. you know, because I had an album out in front of an all-black audience called That White Boy Is Crazy. You know. That's right. Yes. <clears throat> but anyhow, so now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, j- jumping all over the place, and uh, and I, I come back. I, I go, Sammy Davis Jr. takes me on the road. I'm touring with Sammy Davis. I'm in Vegas, you know, got all kinds of gigs coming up with Sammy. And I come back off the road, and I'm going to break in some new material at the Comedy Store. And at that time, they didn't pay. They had the original room, and they had the main room. Mm-hmm. But the main room had 400 and something seats. Mitchie would let Jackie Mason work there. He got the door. If they charged 20 bucks at the door, he got the door. She got the drinks and, and the food. If they had um, uh, Buddy Rich actually played there one time, Buddy oh, Rich the cool. drummer, he got the door, whatever he charged at the door, she got the drink. Um, Jackie Mason, Rodney Dangerfield, whatever artists worked there got the door. I come off the road one time, and, and I was scheduled to get up and try with some new material for the Tonight Show, and I go to the original room, and they said, oh, Tom, you're on the main room. I said, the main room? I go over to the main room, and there's David Letterman, Jay Leno, Elaine Boozler, uh, Robin Williams, me, we're on, on the show. I said, oh, wow, I, I'm not thinking. I go on stage, and it's packed. I'm thinking, wow, this is almost like back in Vegas here, you know. So I try my new material, not thinking. We go over to the Cantors afterward where all the comedians hung out, and all the comedians sitting there talking, and in comes Jay Leno. He said, hey, this is bullshit. So he said, hey, she pays those other guys the door. Maybe it took five of us to fill the room, but we still fill the room. We should get paid. Well, I'm making money in them days. I'm making six figures now. Right. I'm, I'm on my way. I'm doing. But I listen to my friends. So I listen to them, and they're talking. And they just said, we're going to have a meeting. So I go to the meeting about four or five days later. They had a meeting. And 
You ever been in a room with 100 comedians all talking at the oh. same time? You couldn't get anything. And they were chaotic. And so, so the only thing they decided at that meeting was to have another meeting. So now I go to the next meeting, and it's chaotic again. But I had been in the JCs, as I told you last yes. time, in the Junior Chamber of Commerce, and I knew Robert's rules of order, and I knew how to conduct a meeting. So I finally calmed them down. I said, let me, let me conduct a meeting. getting everybody. Exactly. And I got them organized. And once you got them organized, they were a force to be reckoned with. I got them former committee, you know, subcommittees. Uh, hold on, Jay. You know, Gallagher's got the floor. Hold on, you know, make your point. Put it in the form of a motion. Anyhow, once I got organized, they were a force to be reckoned with. However, I had a great relationship with Mitzi. I liked Mitzi, and Mitzi liked me. And, and so I thought, I'll go talk to her. You know, <clears throat> But it was like talking to the wall, because she was not going to pay the comedians under no circumstances. And so every time I'd go back, to, I'd go back and relay to the comedians what she said. They would come up with some other ideas. I'd go back and relay to Mitzi. Anyhow, one night, I'm laying in bed with my wife, and I leaped up. I said, oh, my God, I got it. Why didn't I think of this? I scared the hell out of my ex-wife. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, I got it. Why didn't I think of this? I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I get there in the morning. I'm waiting in her office like this. She comes in. I said, Mitzi, I got it. You're charging $5 at the door. Charge $6. Let the comedians have that $1. If 200 people come in, the comedians for the night share $200. If, 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 if uh, you know, if you, if, you know, 400, yeah. you know, $400, whatever it is, won't cost you a dime. Right. She said, no. They oh. don't deserve to be paid. This is a, it's a, a school. And, this, and, what, and I'm saying, Mitzi, you know, she said, people come here because it's the comedy store. I said, you pay the waiters, you pay the waitresses, you pay the bartenders, you pay the parking lot attendant, you pay the, the guy who cleans the toilets. Why wouldn't you pay the comedians? Now, the, this is a learning. Anyhow, I could not get her to budge off of that. So anyhow, when I left her that day, I was numb because I thought, I thought it was about money. It was about control. Right. Know? And but anyhow, uh, you know, it's crazy. You think, oh, I've solved the problem. I've yeah. got it. This works for everyone. It went on for almost eight weeks. They went on strike. I, I did not want the comedians to go on strike. I, 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 you know, I called Sammy Davis. See, I have a problem. All my life, I was a little guy. I got in a lot of fights when I was growing up. I don't. There's nothing I'm proud of. I had my nose broke twice, so I couldn't be that tough, right? But I, but I was, a, 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 <laughs> I was a street kid. I boxed when I was in the navy, you know. And and and, but once I get into a fight. I want to win. If I when I played basketball, football, baseball, when I once the oh, game started, so I wanted to win. That's how you broke your nose. You didn't back down. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, I, I, it was a black guy in my neighborhood, two two brackens. He once told somebody, he said, "I don't want to fight Dreesen. I could whip him. I whip him every day." He said, "But he's going to come back the next day, and I'll whip him again." He said, "He's going to come back the next day." He said, "Pretty soon, I don't want to fight him anymore because he won't quit." Yeah. And that's kind of my, my mentality. So now yeah. when this fight started, I, this strike, I called Sammy Davis and said, Sammy, I'm in the middle of, of something I don't want to get out of. He said, I understand, Tommy, you're doing the right thing. Oh, don't because worry. you're supposed to be on the road with oh, him. Oh, yeah. I turned down $50,000 worth of work in those days. I had several gigs with him in those days. And so, and, 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 but, uh, I, but, I, but he understood. I said, I can't give up now. I, I got you know, And we... Dug in, and it lasted for eight weeks. Mm. And it finally ended one night. I had to speak before Screen Actors Guild, and after, there was a big dinner. And they invited Mitzi to send her representation and for our side. So I went with Joanne Astro and Mark Lanau, who were also involved in the strike. And she sent Biff Maynard and uh, Danny Mora to her side of it. So we went back and forth. And, and, and it was... Biff Maynard got up and said some dumb things. He's talking in front of all. <laughs> he's in, you know he's talking in front of all Screen Actors Guild actors, and he said, 
artists don't need to be paid. You know, mm. comedians are artists, and we don't need to be paid. He's talking to a room full of artists. <laughs> I looked around, and they were, they were looking at good, each good other. Good luck getting this crowd on your side. Yeah, and then, then during the strike, after four weeks into the strike, Mitzi offered to pay $25 a set in the main room, not in the, in the original room. Okay. So I took it back to the, the comedians. They said, no, anywhere she charges a door charge, you know, we should get something of it. So what she started doing was paying those who crossed the picket line $25 a set on Friday and Saturday. You know, she wouldn't pay any, and that was part of the thing. So now... But to be a scab, you would get paid yeah. if you were to willing to... Okay. So I say, when it's my turn to come up, I said, this gentleman just told you that artists shouldn't even be paid. I don't know how you artists feel about that, but as an artist, I don't like... And they, they applauded, right? <laughs> I said, the other thing, let me tell you, we've walked this picket line for eight weeks now. I said, and during, I told her about the compromise that she's now, because of us walking the picket line, is paying $25 a set on weekends only in the main room. I said, you know what he did last weekend on Friday and Saturday? He went up on stage and he made $50. You know what he did with that $50? He put gas in his car tonight and he had something to eat. And he put gas in his car to come over here and tell you not to pay us. <sighs> and it got like a standing ovation. So anyhow, here's what happens. They Screen Actors Guild and actors said, we're going to put a full-page ad out in Variety and in The Hollywood Reporter to ask all the actors and actresses in Hollywood, not the Screen Actors Guild, mm-hmm. say, not to support, not to go in there while you are fighting for pay, right? So Biff knows this. He's going back to the comedy store. I go back to the comedy store, and they're all out in front of the comedy store, all the comedians, and they're walking, and Mitzi had gotten an injunction that we couldn't walk in the driveway alongside the comedy store. And she was right, because we were blocking traffic. Right. So I would always keep the comedians out of that driveway. As I'm there, Jay Leno's there, and all, and I'm, they're saying, what happened, what happened? I'm telling them, hey, they're going to take a full-page ad out. This really looks good. Just then I see Biff Maynard on Sunset Boulevard facing east, Racing his engine, vroom, 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 waiting for the traffic to go by to pull in that driveway. And he's racing it. Vroom, vroom. And I see the comedians in the driveway say, hey, hey, get out. And just then I hear tires beat. And boom. He goes to the back and I look and Jay Leno's on the ground. And all the comedians said, he hit Jay Leno, he hit Jay Leno, Jay's laying there. Oh, my God, oh, my God. And I said, somebody get in We didn't have cell phones. Right. Get an ambulance. Somebody get an ambulance. You know. Then somebody ran next door to call an ambulance. And Jay's laying there. And at this time, I think I told you this last time, I've had it. I've had it. I, I'm fed up with this, all this bullshit for something so stupid like paying the comedians, giving an extra dollar at the door. In my mind, when Biff Mater comes up, I'm going to knock him out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him with everything I got. I'm gonna, I, Past I, your I, limit. I, 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 I was, I mean, I'll tell you, I was trembling. I was so angry because I thought he killed Jay Leno. Mm-hmm. I kneeled down, but Jay, I said, Jay, Jay, and I look at Jay's letter, and he opens one eye, and he goes, he winks. <laughs> and I said, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch, you're all right. And he's winking, you know, and he's laying there, you know. Meanwhile, Biff's coming around up there, everybody's screaming at him. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. What Jay did was, Biff didn't hit him. What Jay did, when the car went by, Biff, uh, Jay slammed his hand on yeah. the side of the car, and it sounded like he hit him, and he hit the ground. Just like that stage slap you talked about Yeah, earlier. exactly. Yeah. But he hit the side of the car. Now, ambulance come, and Jay doesn't want to go in the ambulance, but the paramedics cannot let, they can't release him now. He, the, only the hospital can release oh, him. Oh, so, for God's so sake, look what you started. <laughs> yeah, they hauled Jay away, woo-woo, uh, sirens and everything, and, and uh, anyhow, <laughs> two minutes later, I think it was Argus Hamilton came out, and he said, Mitch, he wants to talk to you. I went inside, she said, let's settle this right now. And I got our lawyer, Kenny Browning, who uh, Dave Letterman had fixed this up with Kenny Browning. Kenny was uh, with the firm Bushkin Gaines, 
Henry Bushkin, oh, Johnny Carson. Oh, uh, Car- Carson, of course, yeah. He was a young, young, young lawyer. We went in, we sat there till four in the morning negotiating this, and, and the strike was over. <sighs> that's, a gr- that's, a, that's a great story. However, it really is a I want to add to this. All over America, comedy clubs are opening up, and they weren't paying hardly any money at all. They'd tell you, come here in Denver and work for all week for $100, and, and we'll feed you and fly you in, but you get $100. to say, I don't work that cheap. They say, you work free at the comedy store? Mm-hmm. Come here and work here. We'll at least give you 100 bucks. Now, when this fell in line, when the comedy store was paying, well, then they all had to pay a little fairer wage. Everybody had to pony up a little bit. We got, to- we got telegrams from England, from London, that, uh, that all of a sudden they got paid. In New York. They weren't paying the New York comics either. After we won, the New York comics went to Silver Friedman, Bud Friedman's wife, and negotiated with her, and she, she they paid without fi- without firing a shot. Mm. So the whole it, it changed comedy a lot. You know. Well done, mm. and thanks to the JCs. Yeah, thanks to my. Well, I, I, I <laughs> hey, those. Whenever somebody come up to me and, and say, you know, um, um, you know, thank you for. Comedy's getting paid. I said, no, thank those other comedians who walked that picket line who never got yeah. back on at the comedy store. You know? Wow, right, because they burned their bridge. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, you had already done, you just talked about the Carsons and everything. I'm trying to think, when Letterman got his guest hosting Carson, was that a big deal? I would think that would be a, a bigger deal than, 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 than coming through the deal. Curtain. He only did, like, I think he did two Tonight Shows and he was hosting. I mean, and, and I went with him the very first night he hosted, you know. Okay. And, you know, you remember the show that followed him, Tom Snyder? Of course, tomorrow's show, yes. Yeah. I, was stand, <laughs> I was standing in the wings before David walked out, and, and Johnny Carson was hosting the Oscars that night. So that's why Dave was subbing that night. Oh. And I feel this presence, because, you know, Tom Snyder was about 6'5". Six, 6'6", six, six or, six or something, yeah. I feel this presence. I turn around and look, and Snyder said to me, I knew him, he said, I want to see how the audience reacts when this no-name comes out. Tom, and a year later, Tom, Tom always ate his foot. <laughs> a year later, a year later, David Letterman's show went on, and Tom Snyder went off the air. He took David, his time he, slot. He, he took his time slot. Yeah. But Dave later put Tom on, and uh, you know when he took the. Prize I always thought that was a beautiful story. Uh, I know it didn't. You know he only did it a couple of years, but I thought that was a beautiful story how he brought Tom Snyder back. And I'll tell you something else. David hosted the Tonight Show when we were on strike. So when David, oh. came, when David left the show that night, I was in the, uh, waiting for him. He, uh, Fred DeCordova said, Dave, we're going to have a post-meeting. He said, I can't do it. i got to walk the picket line. And he went over to the comedy store and walked the picket line with us. You know? Wow. I didn't realize that those two things were uh, happening concurrently. At the Whoa. Same time. <sighs> um, all right. So it was obviously a big deal. What about, I guess, only a couple years later when he got his own show, the morning show? Yeah. Did you ever do that show? I can't no, remember if I saw it. He you did it in New York and and but but um I have to tell you when the show lo- ratings first of all you'd look at that show and say this belongs at nighttime mm-hmm. not in the morning and Brendan Tartikoff saw that you know but Thank when God. they when they took him off the air took Dave off the air uh he was crushed. Yeah. He was absolutely crushed. He came back and he sp- we spent a lot of time together and then I had to go and re- he would jog with me in the morning we'd talk and he was really crushed i think he thought it was over for him that he had his shot and that shot was done and uh he didn't know that in the meantime brandon was going to try to work something out but i, I had to go to tahoe and um do two two weeks there in lake tahoe and dave w- went there with me and we jogged every morning and i'd go on stage he'd be in the wings you know if i, oh. if I he, he he just needed a friend and and, and at that time and and uh and and I was there for him, you know, because he would have done the same for me. I know. Absolutely. You know, but, yeah. 
And, and, and I think that has a lot to do with our friendship to this day, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. I think it's great. I, I, you know, <clears throat> people being there for one another is what makes this world go around. So uh, I love friendship. Mm-hmm. If, if you're lucky, if you're lucky, I, I, you know, I, there's, if you're, there was a friend I had who's gone now, but he would have jumped in front of a bullet for me. His name was Tommy Johnson. We grew up on the streets together. He would have jumped in front of a bullet for me, and I know that. I believe you know, it. Yeah. And when I first went to Caesar's Palace, he, I brought in a couple guys from the old neighborhood. He was standing underneath the marquee after my opening night. We were all going to walk the strip, walk out, there, and he was gone. And I said, where the hell's TJ? I went back, and he's is a tough kid who was in the 101st Airborne. Tough kid. You know, He's standing in front of the marquee, and he's crying. I mean, tears oh. are coming. Out. I said, TJ, what's wrong with you? He said, don't you get it, man? Don't you get it? If your name is up there, the whole neighborhood's up there. Everybody from back home is up there. He said, you don't get that, do you? And I said, no, but I was touched by that, you know. That's fine. The idea that you did it for us. Well, that people vicariously live through Sinatra fans vicariously live through Frank. And so, and but sometimes people, you know, by the way, as a comedian, people in the audience, when you walk out on stage, they sometimes feel like they're going out there with you. They want you to score. Not when you're, when you, when you're known and, you're, you know, they don't. By that time, you're established. But when you're brand new, and uh, uh, I've seen women, when a woman go up on the stage back in the day when there were very few women stand-ups, they're pulling for you. They're, oh, I hope she's funny. I hope she's funny because they, they're nervous for you. Right. And if you go into the tank, they go into the tank right with you. Wow. People, a lot of times people put themselves in, in the comedian's place, especially when you're new, you know. Yeah, we all have that little empathic part of us, yeah, I guess. That's yeah. what reacts. Oh, yeah. gosh. Mm. Uh, all right, so... That makes perfect sense, but what about when things swing around and he gets the late night show? Mm. Is that good news for Team Dave and every all the friends involved? No doubt about it. Everybody knew Dave was, you know, Dave. Johnny Carson was not a stand-up comedian. He was a game show host, but he could do a monologue. Dave Letterman's not a stand-up comedian. He's a broadcaster. Now. Was he funny as a stand-up? I loved his act. I, we were, I loved to watch him work, and especially I hoped he'd get a heckler because he'd destroy the heckler, you know. Oh. I told Dave one time, I got, oh, gee, I got in, a, in a fight behind a Westwood comedy store, uh, a punk kid. It was a long story, but, you know, the guy was, <laughs> was going to sucker punch me, and, and I knew it. I, we were going outside. We stepped outside, and I knew I could. I, I grew up on the streets. intuition in, again. He was in front of me, and I knew he was going to turn and fire on me. When he did, I was set myself, and I decked him. But, anyhow, Dave said to me, I can't believe, I can't believe, the next day he said, I can't believe you actually doubled up your fist and you socked him. <laughs> oh, no, he saw it. He was there for oh, that. They, they, well, they, no, they told him the next day. Oh, okay. Everybody, all the com- comics. He said, I can't believe you actually doubled up your fist and you socked him. Now, in my neighborhood, Nobody ever socked anybody. It was in a Batman and Robin comic. <laughs> pow. <laughs> yeah. Sock pow. I said, Dave, I said, Dave, he was going to sock me. You know, he was going to sock me. Yeah. I said, but Dave, you're not physically tough, but you're intellectually tough. Mm. You would cut a guy to ribbons if he, you know, and, and he was good at that. Yeah. He was, he was intellectually a tough guy. You know, you don't, you want to, you don't want to, you know, fool with him, you know. So, you know, he, he could handle, uh, and so, you know, so Dave, when he went on to the late late show, we or late show, we know that he was going to succeed because yeah. he had had the morning show. He had got a little bit out of his system. He knew now what he more what he wanted to do, and it was perfect for late night. And and um, it was almost a development phase, is what it feels like, because the shows were very similar. It's just now that it had the right audience, it was thriving. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 he was real good at putting 
you know, man on the street type of people on his show. You know, Bud Melman and people oh, like so that. Oh, so good. Yeah. And, 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 the everyday people yeah. were the best part. And he wasn't, a, again, he wasn't a stand-up comedian. Jay Leno, when he had his show, Jay Leno would go on weekends to Las Vegas, go on corporate dates. Jay Leno never took a check from NBC. He put it all in the bank. He only lived off of his corporate events, which were paying 150000 a night. Oh, of course, and, sure. Or more, you know. And, but David had offers to, to Atlantic City, to Vegas, and he would never take them. I'd say, well, you should go. He said, what am I going to do? I said, what are you going to do? Go bring be- Paul Schaefer with you. Yeah. Bring the band. Bring a couple of the, of the girl that you go have. Go do a show. show, yeah. Yeah, and, I said, and, and then do your monologue. I said, you know. But I mean, he once he to... moved into that theater, he became a showman. So he certainly could have done that he, type of but thing. But he no more wanted to do stand-up, you know. Uh, that, uh, that what, 10, 11, 12 years, whatever we talked about, that NBC period was what was so influential for me. That was when I found uh, uh, Letterman and comedy in general i guess it was whatever you know age i was um and then that to me was sort of this heyday because i loved the development phase i loved i loved the let's figure this stuff out and have fun once we go to cbs it became this like now it's a powerhouse this is a real show this is we got serious ratings we got to produce i mean this is like a business now what was that like for the friends and family who've watched this guy be one of us from the whole thing here you were ahead of him getting on the tonight show blah 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 you're all friends still. Uh, you What's know, you, that like? You know, I'll tell you what it's like. When I'm going into New York and, and I go to Times Square where I went when I was a kid, 17 years old, when I came out of boot camp, I was on my way to my first naval station, and, and, um, and, and I go through Times Square, and I go, wow, Times Square. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is where the stars are. And, and now I go there, and there's a picture of my buddy Dave Letterman. Big is a building. David the guy that drove the red pickup truck. It seemed like just yesterday. It seemed like just yesterday I was so proud. And so I said, wow, look at my guy. Look at my buddy. You know, he's up there. I was just so proud of him, you know. I'm not Jewish, but there's a Yiddish word, kvel, kvel, kvel. You know, yeah. you, you swell with pride. Is that the proper? You swell with pride. I kvel when I saw him up there, oh, you know. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really something, really something. And then he takes over the Ed Sullivan Theater, where that's where the the Beatles, when they came, you know, Beatles were Elvis. Everybody, the same stage, yeah. You know, that was really. I mean, it's like, it's hard to describe that when you're brand new with somebody and and you're trying to find, figure out if you have enough money to go get a, a bowl of soup, you know. And here's this guy now. <laughs> He's this huge star. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. I, yeah. So everyone did recognize that, and you, and obviously you, you're certainly happy for all the people you've helped along the way, but. Uh, the fact that you were beaming, you could see it in Tom's face. Oh, Listeners, yeah. you could see it in Tom's face. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, you know, you know, that's what. It, in the end, it is. Somebody once said, a philosopher said, in the end, all you have are memories. You know, make some good ones. You know, and and I, I have some good memories. You know, and 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 especially for those who, you know, Letterman should have given up, shouldn't he? When when he was. You know, knocked out of that when he that morning show. He, he thought it was over. He thought it was back to Indianapolis, but he didn't give up. Mm-hmm. And he went back and dug in, and you know. Um, well, after two weeks in Tahoe to lick his wounds with his friend Tom Dreesen. Uh, I, I, <laughs> like I said, he would have done the same for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm a motivator. I'm, you know, and and uh, and I and I wanted him to, you know, get this out of the system. You know, mm. uh, at that time he also broke up with Meryl Markle. Oh, so he was God, going to so it. there's everything happening was at that, once. That was, and, and I don't know, uh, I've been through where I was so much in love with a girl, so much in love with her. And when it broke up, I didn't see it coming. 
And I, I, it, that emptiness, that, that emptiness that hits you and that fear that am I ever going to find something like this again? And I mean, that, and all of that compounds with the show going off the air. This guy was going through a tough time, you know. Mm. Mm. It's an awful lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you talked about being grateful for some amazing moments. What are some of your most memorable moments from show business? I mean, between the Frank Sinatra stuff, your comedy stuff, the Carson stuff. I mean, I, I think of you as being one of the greats. So what was great for you about it? Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of the full circle things, you know, the full circle things that, that, that you, it's hard to describe my childhood. If, if I really told you how poor we were, you would, later on you'd say to the wife, you know, I think he exaggerated a little bit, but my brothers and sisters and I know that's not so. I mean, to come from that poverty where I was standing on a corner and selling newspapers, and years later I went back and they named that street after me. Come that on. was great in my life. You know, and all the people, all the kids, the people that I grew up with were there. You know, and that was a moment for me. You know, uh, it came full circle. You know, I, I don't. I think I told you the story, but but when I was a little boy selling newspapers on that corner, at one day all the horns were blowing and towns people were coming out, thousands of people. And I'm going, what's going on? I asked one of the elders. They said it's Lubadro Day, Tom. I said Lubadro. He said, yeah, he's a baseball player. He plays for the Cleveland Indians. He's age 24, and he managed the Cleveland Indians player manager at age 24 to a pennant in the World Series. And he's from Harvey. Tom, he's from where we're from. He graduated from high school. I said, wow. So I sold all my newspapers in, in, in the corner of 155th Street in Harvey. He came out of the Elks Club and all the people were cheering him and everything. And, and, and uh, they, they, he took off in a parade and people were following him. And my, my dad never owned a car, so we couldn't be in a parade. So I'm walking home that day with holes in my shoes as a little kid. And I'm thinking, wow. Somebody from Harvey is famous, you know, you know, and I said, like little boys do, you fantasize, maybe one day they'll have a parade for me, and I'm like a little boy, you're imagining all that. August 22nd, 1992, I went back to Harvey, Illinois, to that corner where I sold newspapers, where Lou Boudreau came out, uh, the Elks Club, and they named that street after me, and the guy who introduced me to the crowd was Lou Boudreau. Oh, come on. Yep, he came back, he came back for that moment, you know, so those full circle things. When, when I was shining shoes in all the bars... Happy I, anniversary on that last one, by the way. Last oh. week was 30 years on that, that Lou Boudreau Day or whatever. Your, your street naming, so... Yeah, that's right. Congratulations. That's right. But, but anyhow, um, uh, when I was shining shoes, that I would shine shoes in all in the neighborhood bars, and once in a while I would get on the IC and go downtown because the, the Chicago Theater, there were big like plays and stuff and movies where people would be out in front and then they'd go inside and then they'd come back out, you know, live performance. And I, if I shine shoes down there, I got bigger tips by the uh -huh. Chicago theater. And I saw, you know, the stars there years later, I fly into the Chicago theater in 1983 and my name's on the marquee with Frank Sinatra where I used to shine <laughs> shoes. So you say what, th those are the things that, you know, watching the tonight show and one day being on the tonight show, Huge. you know, uh, sitting down with Johnny Carson, you know, um, knowing Johnny Carson, knowing Johnny, but but also appearing on stage with Sammy Davis Jr. and appearing on stage with Dean Martin mm. and appearing on stage with Frank Sinatra. These are people around the jukeboxes when I was shining shoes. You know, uh, th those th th those full circle moments. I, I again, I never cared about being a star. I just cared about having fun with this wonderful life that that I was in. You know, that when I when I got bless it, you and your perspective. Uh, well, there were, there, were, there were hard times. There were a lot of hard times. My wife left me three times. She hated show business, and I don't blame her. You know, she never married a, an entertainer. She married a, a working stiff, and she wanted a check every Friday. She'd take my kids and leave me and go by her sister. And, and I, 
I mean, I, I went to a lot. None of, of this is funny. I just yeah. it sounds like I tell you, it sounds yeah, like yeah, my no. wife left me three times. Yeah, I, I, I always say, what was her name again? Oh yeah, plaintiff. You know. Oh jeez, <laughs> enough times. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know why he's laughing. <laughs> um, I'm so happy you came back. Is there anything that we didn't cover that we should? I want to plug your date for sure. Uh, Saturday. Nine ten. It's actually not this coming Saturday. It's the weekend after at the Belushi Performance Hall in Glen Ellen, Illinois. You're going to be doing the one man show. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be good. You know what's interesting about that? The promoter said to me, "I want to sell tickets for ninety nine dollars, and then seventy dollars, and fifty dollars, or thirty dollars." I said, ninety nine dollars. Please don't." He said, "Well, I want to do it a meet and greet." Mm-hmm. He said, "I said I don't I don't want I want I don't want people to pay that kind of money." He said, "I, I said by the way, that's way too much money for me. I'm reading mm-hmm. in the marketplace. They all sold out." All oh, the, good for all you. The <laughs> oh, bless no, you, no, I, 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 And they knew what they were doing. Uh, you know, but I found this out as strange. A lot of times when I was in my one-man show, they would say 65 and 45 and 35. The $65 tickets always went first. And I always, I, don't, I, I, I just always think, no, make it so everybody can come. You know, I don't, I don't. This is very interesting that you would bring this up right now. I hate to make two minutes about this about me, but we're doing a live show, uh, a charity show next weekend at the Marconi Auto Museum. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a similar thing. In fact, I think I told you about it, but you were going to be out of town for that. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a similar thing where it, because it's a charity event, all the ticket prices are through the roof. Like the mm-hmm. cheapest one is a hundred and something. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't comfortable with that because I was like, well, there's a lot of friends of ours that would love to come support us. But, yeah. you know, this is a little bit maybe. And it was sort of explained to us like, well, this one's a charity. Th- if you want to go do a, a show for your friends to to support, okay, good and fine. But I had the same – whatever you said about I want everybody to be able to do yeah, it. Why? Because yeah. it feels discriminative to have it be at a certain price point. Is I that agree. what you felt? I totally agree, yeah. Yeah, well, but I had to we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, these people know what they're doing in our situation. They, I, I they know how to throw. I'm events, the worst but. businessman in the world. I, you know, I, 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 I give away. I, I, I've done so many dumb things in my life. Who's you know? it sound like? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're cut from the same I, cloth I keep for sure. At you, but you guys aren't the same like that. Uh, I'm terrible. Just uh, a blind spot. Of <laughs> all that. And that's the business. Uh, if there's anything else that we should be talking about, I want to. But otherwise, follow Tom Dreesen Comic on Instagram. And it's just Tom Dreesen everywhere else, I think, right? TomDreesen.com is my, my website. And then Tom Dreesen Comic is my Instagram and my Twitter. And, you know, I just got hacked on my Facebook. Oh, man. Oh, just crap. Yesterday. So that yeah, wasn't you. Yeah, they, no, no, yeah. They hacked my Facebook. And, and people are saying, why are you asking me to be your friend? I'm already your friend. And, oh, God, I hate this stuff. I hate this social media stuff. Yeah. You'd rather go out and see people eyeball to eyeball. Yes. I'm with you. Yeah. But it's um, great being with you, and, and nice to see you both again. And as soon as you cut this off, I'm heading for the John. Go for it. Hit it now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Tom Dreesen, everybody. I, I've had the piece since 1987. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so I've got some business here to deal with. Marconi Auto Museum, Cars and Comedy Show on 9-3. We are going to be there. Uh, Adam Ferrar is going to be there. Jan Karam is going to be there. Guido Cocomella is going to be there. Greg Grumberg's going to be there, and some more surprises as well. Uh, buy your tickets at the Marconi Auto Museum, uh, dot com or Marconi Museum on Instagram. You can click the link there. Also, follow the Letterman Podcast and check out this special episode that came out today for the anniversary of The Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, longtime writer Gerard Mulligan. Huge get. Huge get. Huge get for the Mike man up there in Canada. Congratulations, sir. And thanks to, uh, to you hey. for everyone else, on behalf of everyone else, for putting out an episode on the anniversary instead of waiting until uh, Friday. That was very nice of you.
it all worked out very, very well. I do have a question. Um, is Tom going to take off before he leaves, or is he... Well, I don't know, but we're killing... We, gonna... Let's just see how that happens. In the meantime, I've got other okay. things to well, do. Okay, the reason I ask is because <laughs> I was going to say a really nice thing about his Facebook. My mom turned 72 yesterday, well, or two days ago. Do you want to wait for him, or...? You want to do it? Oh, I'm, I here. I'm just him. doing yeah, some business okay, here, and better. we can't interrupt the business. Okay, unfortunately. sure. Uh, Tom Dreesen, you can see him at the Belushi Performance Hall, Glen Ellen, Illinois, Saturday, 9-10. Go to TomDreesen.com. Of course, you know that the Hello Deli is your only source for officially licensed Late Show with David Letterman merchandise, so get yourself over to the Hello-Deli and support the Letterman podcast by buying some Letterman gear. Uh, St. Clair Insurance, read card. They say all which separates men and boys is the coverage for their toys. What types of toys, Mrs. Ryan? Anything. That That's right. <laughs> anything. Absolutely anything at all. Uh, licensed in most states, St. Clair Insurance Shop's top provider, so you get the best coverage for your toys. Simply check them out by going to www.coverageforyourtoys.com. Coverageforyourtoys.com. Coverageforyourtoys.com. And Tom Dreesen's coming back in here, and uh, uh, Mike would like to pay you a compliment, I believe. Surprise. Well, let me put my... Comedy gives back head on. You know? There we go. This is a golf tournament they have every year for comedians, you know. What, what is it, Mike? Hey, man. Um, great to see you again. I just love listening to you. I can listen to you all day, and I just appreciate you so much. Uh, I was going to thank you for this, but now I'm wondering if I've got to thank a criminal for this. My mom turned 72 the other day, and I put up on Facebook uh, a little picture of my mom and I. And in the comments... There is Tom Dreesen saying, happy birthday, Bonnie. You raised a fine young man. Now, was that you doing that or was that the hacker? No, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. No, no. <laughs> that warmed my heart. Yeah. Well, you know, moms are special, aren't they? You know, and, yes, and, uh, sir. And for you to yes, honor your mom or, you know, recognize your mom. There are so many good things about Facebook and stuff, but there's a lot of bad things about them. But that's one of the good things about them, you know, yeah. that you can stay. But good for you for doing that and staying on top of it. I mean, it's hard to do to keep on top of it. Yeah, it really so is. Sometimes I'm up till 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm the, again, answering questions like, uh, I met you in 1987, and didn't you? weren't you wearing a red sweater? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I go, uh, I don't remember, but you know, you know I mean, but, but I answer, you know, Good if I can. You. You know, yeah. Good for you. Uh, was there another uh, thing, Mike, or was that it? No, I just wanted to thank him for that, and just thank him for being uh, him. I love beautiful. you, Tom. Beautiful. Good to see you again, Mike. You too, man. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Uh, you are done if you want to be. I'm just closing up shop here with some stuff, but I'm grateful to you so much for uh, for coming back. Well, again. I'm happy to be here. I really am happy to be here. And, I, you know, I feel bad. I was just thinking. several times I was thinking. But I was thinking. <laughs> we didn't talk much Sorry. with you. And, and I, Let's and do that me. for a second. Yeah. You know, tell, tell me how you're doing. How's it going? Not great. Not great. No. What would you like to know? I'm sorry, what? What do you want to know so I'm more focused? Well, you know, I, I, I just, you know, like, um, are you, are, do you have exercises you do every day? Do you, do you have physical therapy as well as, as uh, uh, medications? Do you mind if I jump in? Go ahead. We're back, at, just because talking's easier for me. We're back in the process of, uh, she took a little break from the Western medicine while she explored yeah. some other things, and we're now back into the Western medicine where we're sort of redoing everything from scratch for the purposes of the insurance and the disability and all yeah. that stuff. So we're kind of back to square one when it comes to the diagnosis almost. It's, mm. it's been a while, so she needs to redo everything. So we've been going to neurologists, and uh, you just set up, some appointment with somebody else got you a bunch of MRIs 
we're kind of going through everything again, and I'm hoping that we can answer that question or have better news for going forward in the next month or so. When you get your the results from these exams, yeah. You'll yeah, yeah, and and continue to do more of them. It's kind of a you know you got to see yeah. twenty different people, and we've only gone yeah. to five of them so far. That type of thing. Yeah, MS is 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 a, it's just the most. Inc- it, it, there's, they know so much about it, and there's so much they don't know about it. They don't you really know, know much yeah. at all. They it don't seems. seem to know how to apply anything they do know. So it's like you can't tell anyone anything ever because everything is so personal. It's like. I just want to walk. I don't care what you think you know. Yeah. Well, so, everything's it's a process. Yeah. I'll say it, I'll say it again, and, and I said it my, my, all the years for my sister Darlene, that uh, as a little boy growing up, you're involved in sports, and, and you really want to, you know, you, you look at champions, you know, and you think of baseball players and football players and, and boxers and as champions. But after watching my sister Darlene and MS, patients for all these years they're the real champions a champion is someone who does their best when things are at their worst and and you as i told you before you're a champion in my heart because you're doing your best and things are, are really tough on you but a champion isn't somebody who hits a baseball out of a ballpark or who runs 80 yards for a touchdown this is a champion you every day that you you try to do your best when things are at their worst and i've known men with MS and I've known women that get up every day and try to go support the family and try to do it with MS and they're they're the champions of our society and we don't honor them enough you know when you were talking before about get back up get back up do it again do it you're going to keep coming back every single day she has to get back up and do yeah. it again so you know the, the only thing that I, I would uh, and I, I can't give you advice but I, I said to Clint Eastwood one time how are in the world are you doing this? He's 91 now, going to be 92. But you're 88 and you're directing this and you're flying there and you're doing I said, how do you do it? He said, I don't let the old man in. Ooh, what an answer. He said, I don't let the old man in. And I would say to you, don't let MS in. You know. I repeat constantly, like, clear it out. Like, don't let, like, I don't let myself feel pain. And that's hard, but like, because that's all there is. But like, I have to clear that out because otherwise, it's all I feel. No, no worth. I, I I knew a boy named Dave, and he's still still with us. Uh, that he would come to my runs every year when I was running 26 miles for multiple sclerosis. You know, for, we called it 26 miles for Darlene. But he he had MS, but he had a T-shirt that said, "I have MS, but MS doesn't have me." Mm. You know, and I, 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 I took pictures with that with him because I love that. That's the same way. That don't let the old man in. You know, okay, I have so MS, tough. but MS doesn't have me. You know, I've heard that. I talk to Darlene every day. I say hi, so thanks. Say that again. I talk to your sister every day. Oh, do you really? And just say hi. You take trip from everywhere. Wow! Wow! So that's your gift. Uh, oh, thank you. I mean, that, you, you almost made me cry there because she would have loved you. She, she was just a, such a wonderful, sweet human being who um, uh, I always say, if, if Darlene's not in heaven, then there is no heaven. It just couldn't be, you know, because uh, she was just a, a sweet, kind person. Well, thank you so much, you know. Her, I went back home a while back and her son got married and he had a little girl and he called her Summer Darlene, you know, and she came running up to me. She was five years old one time. She just leaped in my arms and she hugged me and she said, "Tell me about my grandpa, please, or my grandma. Please tell me about my grandma." And I, it took me about 
five minutes to get myself in control to sit down and tell her, you know, because it just choked me up because she looks like my sister, you know. So anyhow, but that's so nice of you. I appreciate that. Keep talking to her because she's there. She's there. I know. I appreciate that. Anyhow, we didn't want to get little, but you know. I love it. I love it. Make you laugh, make you cry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> An hour and a half, like you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, real quick, East Coast feed, everybody. And you can leave anytime you want. You have done your time. We are so Good. grateful. I'm heading you. out of here because I've got to meet somebody for dinner. Good. Okay. Enjoy. Oh, I love you, Tom Dreesen. No, they're mine, but people have taken them before, so. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you both <laughs> again. You. And and old, what's his name with the red beard there? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> good to see you, Mike. Take care, Mike. Good to see you always, Tom. Thank you, Tom, Tom Dreesen. Absolutely. Thank you. Good thank you. you. Thank you. Bye, Andy. Oh, I love it. I love it. You're the best. Woo! Tom Dreesen, everybody. That was very, very cool. <laughs> Someone in the chat just went a legend early on. And, and I mean, then I'll bring yeah, a producer in here, so we're all in here for the rest. Oh, and then I missed some of this. Fangpin says, hey, it's not the same thing. So Brad Felt says, hi, guys. And uh, Chance H. I'm friends with one of Andy's college friends, Bert DeBrow. He has a lot of wonderful early Andy stories. Wonderful. I love it. Sorry I didn't get to that earlier, Chance. That was probably an hour and a half ago. Um, huge thanks to Ren Street uh, Podcast said hi to Jay and Nicole. Who does? Ren Street Podcast. Very cool. Hi to Scott Kelly, then, in that case. He's the Ren Street Podcast. Uh, okay, and then the last bit of business was Series 1 Films. Read card. Series 1 Films is more than just films. They can set you up with effective marketing solutions like press releases on major news sites. They can scale your rank on Google, and they can produce cinematic content for your automotive brands. Check that or your business. Automotive brand or business. That's right. My thumb was covering the business. <laughs> As it so often does. Series1films.com can be checked out by visiting series1films.com. 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 And as our choreographer up in Canada will show you that the one is indeed a number one. We are, we are getting a show here put together for you. Uh, did you get the feeling, Producer Mike, that Tom might have been just a tad bit uncomfortable as I was explaining how's the weather? Yeah, he didn't know where that was going to go. <laughs> well, before he did uh, my podcast, he called up Dave to make sure it was okay. So, Oh, I yeah, you're right. There's, a, there's an honor and respect there, and I think he just wasn't sure if that honor and respect was fine. But, I mean, obviously, how's the weather is fine. He just didn't know. I hope that uh, – I, I hope that – I hope that if a if somebody like a Dave were to ever see this show, that they wouldn't take you know my little. I wanted to find out what it was like for the friends to go through the milestones. I hope that that wasn't too much of a tribute here on our uh, our anniversary show. Twenty nine years old, this desk and chairs. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't that something? That's pretty crazy. Held up pretty good, considering they started graffitiing it and defacing it the very first night. That's pretty pretty let me, good. Let me remind you. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that picture. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Good stuff. Uh, Great okay. did, stuff. Did I, did I do all this stuff? Oh, East Coast Feed. We got to do that real quick. Uh, East Coast Feed. Roll it how? East Coast Feed. Jonesy, tell them Jane and Nicole, where are we? At the Mets game. At the Mets game. What, what happened that was so special just now? What happened? Where were we? On the big screen, right, Brooke? Yeah. We did a couple's challenge and we're on the big screen and we won prizes. 
And a t-shirt, you got a t-shirt, right? That's how we do. East Coast be coming to you from the Coke Corner here at City Field. There we go. Say goodbye to Uncle Jane and Nicole. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye guys. All right. Good stuff. Nailed it. Uh, all right. Now, I'm with Tom Dreesen. I have to pee real bad, too. So unless you two want to chat real quick while I pee, I think we should wrap this thing up. Um, or maybe you guys can say hello. I think Mike wants to say hello to you anyway. So I'm going to do that. I'll say hi to Mike hi. and say, because I won't ever again. Um, I apparently moved into my dorm 25 years ago. So that's my anniversary. Nod. What Were you, you playing hockey at the there? time? Uh, no, I swam then. I played hockey soon after. She played hockey soon after. Um, hey, I'm really glad to see you, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> What's going on um, up there? Well, first off, before I got to just say, you say hi to Darlene every day. Kick me right in the gut when you said that. Oh, my God. That's that's a very, very sweet little thing to add to your mantra or the things that you do. What a what a, what a thing to say. I he was so nice when he talked about it last time. Like, and so I think of him every day. Like, everyone needs something, and I'm not a religious person. I tend to be more spiritual, which is really open-ended, and requires a lot of uh, personal focus and reigning and discipline. So, I'd like to think of her. Yeah. It's a nice source of strength. Oh, man. It, it, it just crumbled me when you said that. It was so beautiful. I'm glad you could feel it up there because it punched him in the face. I he was like, no say idea. that again. <laughs> He's like, say what you just said. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I love that he's such a wonderful, sensitive guy that it's OK. Yeah. I, I love that man. I think I was too Uncle nervous Tom. to enjoy it last time, and this time he just came in as a friend. <sighs> what a generous giving man. Yep. Putting out the, uh, the GVBC stuff, of course, because Dual Shift is the place to get it. Uh, David's back from uh, summer vacation. He got his van again, and uh, I don't know, his VW camper. I might have the wrong term for the one, but he went out with the family. They had a great trip, and he came back, and... Thanks to the help of some very, very generous friends of ours in the car community. I don't know if they want to be named or not, but I'm going to say Ian and Kurt. I know both of you. Neither one of you likes attention or credit, but thanks to those guys, Cards Rad 77 is back on the road. Engine in the car, car running after three years of an engine rebuild, car back on the road. Congratulations to Guards Rad. Looks great. Huge, huge, huge congratulations. I can't even imagine what he's feeling other than I'm sure he's happy about it. So uh, if you want to support him and his company, Dual Shift, grab yourself a GBBC T or a 111 T and, uh, and support your friends at, uh, at the GBBC and, uh, and a little bit to us as well, eventually to the uh, Autoimmunity Foundation. So. Yeah. Good stuff. And the hats are very comfortable. The dad hat. They also have a trucker hat that's very cool, although that may be out of stock. It's hard to tell. But they're working on everything. They're working on more stuff too. Um, longest show <laughs> Stephen Mills Designs say hi as well hi Stephen Mills Designs I believe from he's NYC a, I believe he's a talented photographer I believe I believe so this is really just for you Mike should we do viewer mail now or should we do it on Thursday 
I feel like we've got three guests on Thursday. Like, I don't know that we should cram anything else in there. Maybe not. Should we get a viewer mail out of the way? Yeah, let's just get it's It's really just one thing because you know where I was over the weekend. Yeah. So, I got to come up with some new stuff here. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Now, you know about this, but he gave me some more stuff to go with this. So, I got these. I got your, you got your, your run-of-the-mill ecto goggles, okay? And then you get yourself a ghost trap over here. Now, this isn't the fancy Mattel trap that we were talking about, but I am awfully excited about it because, whoa, 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 look at it roll. But, <laughs> okay, I'm ready for this. You probably already know about this, but I didn't. Ready? Well, here, maybe I'll do it this way. Oh, maybe I'll do it like this. You can't. You push the button and the trap opens, but there's green lights in there and it makes all the noises. <laughs> it's so good. It's awesome. Yeah, grown men and their little toys. So Sean made sure that I didn't leave the shop without uh, getting full geared up. Now we also put together a, more, a bigger pile of Proton Pack parts for uh, for my pack that we'll that we'll be building. And uh, here, let me put all this on so we get it all going here. Make sure all the lights work. Yep. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> A little early. This, see now, the other one was silent. This one vibrates and makes noise the whole time. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the secret. We got it. Anyway, thanks to I, I love that there's a Ghostbusters segment while we're uh, wishing Dave a happy anniversary, and the first guest was Bill Murray. Oh, look at you, buddy! Well done, sir. Uh, and and I can tell you a couple. Uh, well, I guess I can't. Shit, almost, almost. <laughs> Thursday, Thursday, we'll be making some announcements. I bet Thursday. Uh, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. Oh, jeez! <laughs> trying to turn the trap off, but somehow I set the whatever. Did I do it? Did we do it all? Are we good? We went very long. But Tom Dreesen. We're very again. good. Tom Dreesen, come back for a half a bow. Joking. He's gone. Long gone. Uh, Marconi Museum on 9-3. I'm going to say it one more time tonight and many times on Thursday. Marconi on 9-3. Uh, it's a charity event. It is benefiting the Marconi Automotive, Automotive Museum and Charity for Kids. And it is benefiting us, the Automunity Foundation. Automunity Foundation. Well, we would have loved to have had a website up before this event. However, we hadn't. But in case you are not familiar with the Autoimmunity Foundation, it's us. And it will get bigger in time. And we have some very grand plans and ideas currently that um, it looks like all will come to fruition in time. Oh, that's the one thing we didn't talk about today when we were on the phone. There was one more thing. Remember, there was one more thing. Yeah. There was one more thing. Anyway. Okay. but uh, uh, driving uh, uh, awareness about autoimmunity uh, through love and community. We do the Good Vibes Breakfast Club. We do this show here, and the Autoimmunity uh, Foundation pays for all of it. So this show and, and all of it are made possible by viewers like you. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, considering to come out to see us on 9-3. The comedians in the show are going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the $60 million car collection does not suck. Nope. And if you want to see the screen-used number one hero Knight Rider kit from the series, used from the pilot on till the very last, 
this is the only place to see it. If you want to see the Keaton Batmobile, um, the Hero one, it's just the only place to see it. If you want to see us on Saturday, 9-3, in the evening between 6 o'clock and 10, this is the only place you can see us. That's where we'll be. Um, so please do come out and, uh, and join us and, um, and have some fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It will not be your typical fundraiser. It will not be your typical comedy show. We don't do anything typical. It's just going to be a lot of interactive fun. Still working on the confetti cannon. Haven't been able to find one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Viewer mail, you saw the Ghostbusters. How the weather? Is it true? We did it. Um, yeah, I think that was, I think he was more worried about Barbara Gaines not getting the joke and then thinking that we were saying that somebody kicked Dave's ass yeah. and like trying to instigate something. I don't, I think he knows us well enough, but it looked like for a moment there was. Yeah. Uncertainty to say what the least. What are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, that's it. That's it. Is there anything else from you? I know uh, we got the Gerard Mulligan episode up currently. What about yeah, Friday? Uh, what Young, about Friday? Steve Young came out on Friday last week and a, a massive acclaim on that one. Um, and then Gerard went up uh, today um, mm. or late last night. Shout and out then, to Don Giller. We went an hour and 40 minutes without saying Don Giller. Oh, God. Good catch. Uh, always, always give our tribute to the Dons. Talk about kissing the ring. Um, you know, <laughs> we, <laughs> the Dons. You're getting um, better at this. You're getting funnier thank you, too. Sir. Uh, we, we, <laughs> Vinny, <laughs> Vinny Favlali comes out on Friday. Oh, that's a good uh, one. So that's going to be a really cool one. And Did then he? Steve Young and I went you, marathon two hours today and talked about uh, bathtubs over Broadway. And if anybody hasn't seen bathtubs over Broadway, go see it it is a or go get that doc it's so good we're gonna watch it tonight i bought it uh on the apple tv while we were having our phone call earlier to support nice. steve young it's only 1495 yes. or 14.99 whatever it is on apple tv go buy it support steve young bathtubs are worth Broadway. every penny i haven't seen it i'm looking forward to seeing it i was i i think somehow this escaped me because we talked about it i thought it was the uh i thought it was the the play that that Vinny did somehow i got them oh confused. yeah yeah no, you're in, did for a play a, you're in for a great treat. With, all right. With Thayer, Thayer, Just, Thayer, Thayer, I don't remember who, Thayer Juster or something. Uh, all right, but we did all this stuff. I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited to hear the Spaceball stories. All the Man on the Moon stuff was great. Oh, all the Andy Kaufman stuff, Coffin killer. Stuff was great. I know you were probably sitting on that one because he's a big Andy Kaufman fan and wrestling fan, the whole thing. Yeah. That was all right. So that's how I was 29 years ago tonight watching the Letterman Show uh, premiere on CBS. So happy anniversary to everyone involved in Dave Co. Dave yep. Co. <laughs> Sounds like Biff Co. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's Pleasure Paradise. Uh, <laughs> Dave and Company. Sorry. Back to the Future. There for anybody who has no idea what I was talking about. And we'll talk more about that on Thursday too. Hopefully. Um, thank you to uh, Tom Dreesen. Thank you to producer Mike up there in Canada. For, follow the Letterman podcast on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. Thank you to you, Nicole, for telling your story and wearing your Michigan shirt today. It's, the, mm. it's, not, late, it's not Letterman related, but it also kind of is because that was that famous picture of Dave in the Michigan shirt. And then obviously your friend from Camp Dave went there. Yeah. Bring the energy around. I Good wore my socks too. Nice. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, it's the show that never ends. I can't seem to say goodbye tonight. But <laughs> um, let's see. Thursday, we're back here with Adam Ferrara from uh, Top Gear, yes. Nurse Betty. Not Nurse Betty. Nurse Jackie. Close. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, rescue Me and just uh, being one of the funniest stand-ups out there. Adam Ferrara will be here to plug the 9-3 date at the Marconi with 
the Marconis will be here. John Marconi, you would know from a racing history. He has he's won a lot of awards um, or races, whatever you win when you race. <laughs> Good job finishing the circle. We got you this award. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, next week, we're back with Fireball Tim, uh, voiceover actor Rob Paulson, and Christian James Hand on Thursday. So we are stacked, stacked, stacked with guests. Stacked. Nice. <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to book this month, and we're already like six guests in on four dates. Uh, we love everybody. I love you. It's been a crazy one. I, I won't even tell you what we all went through, but there was an episode this week and a medical episode that we both witnessed and we got through. And um, I'm just happy that she's here. I'm happy I'm here. I'm happy you're here. And I'm happy we're all doing this together. So please love one another. And I mean that more than ever because uh, none of us get out of this thing alive. So let's do it together. Have a great night. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. Tom Snyder is next. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>